This episode is sponsored by Interactive Brokers. Let me ask you a question. Are you looking for ways to earn extra income? Of course you are. Interactive Brokers Stock Yield Enhancement Program lets you earn extra income on fully paid shares of stock in your brokerage account. Here's how it works. Interactive Brokers lends your shares to traders who pay you interest to borrow them, and you receive 50% of the total income earned. It's that simple. Open an Interactive Brokers account today and start earning extra income. Learn more at ibkr.com slash S-Y-E-P. The Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success. Only one sector up this month, and it's going to surprise you. GDP is what? Who says the economy is slowing? Not Janet Yellen, who proclaims a soft landing is here. Margin and earnings a look inside, and our guest today, Danielle DiMartino Booth, founder of QI Research and author of Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America. All this and much more on episode number 840 of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Andrew Horowitz here, and welcome. Thanks for joining me. I'm back from a quick trip to Guatemala. Hopefully you saw the pics of the huge, and I, I mean tremendous, massive Jurassic Park-style fish that we caught, tuna, yellowfin tuna, and we caught uh, sailfish and Dorado. And wow, what an incredible, incredible time. I mean, just an enormous amount of um, of opportunity to fish uh Days, it's a, it's a fishery that's pretty unbelievable. Casa Vieja is the place we stayed, which is first class. I mean, <laughs> you get there and it's, it's, it smiles on the face of everybody serving you. And just thirty six people total maximum can be there, and the food and the service and the drink and the fishing. Wow, you could do that for a weekend. I'm telling you, it would be a a, a trip to remember. But uh, if you haven't seen the the pictures yet, go over to Twitter. There's a few on there. Follow me at Andrew Horowitz, one word, and, and I got some pictures up there. Of course, over on Instagram, a dad bod food blog. There's a few different photos as well. I guess when we think about this week and this month and this last, I don't know, three months, you got to say just yuck, right? I mean, that's all we can really think about what's going on. What we're seeing is that there is a, a revolt against stocks. And even though we see that some stocks, like we saw this week, was Meta, came out with some decent numbers and overall, I would say, respectable results. The commentary about the things related to their advertising revenue really spooked investors. And you can go on with a list of some of the good ones that came out, of course, like Microsoft this week that was really a tremendous report and Outlook looked really good. And then you have others, uh, not so good, Google being one of them. These are the tech companies that are reporting. And of course, the reason why that's so important is because they hold a major influence on the markets. So it's interesting to note that this month we had something that actually worked out pretty well as you would expect. And that would be a one of two reasons. It was either a flight to safety or a reversion to the mean trade. A flight to safety saying that, hey, let's go for the guys that can just power on, and no pun intended when I tell you the name, uh, and just continue on making money regardless of the economy to a degree, or maybe it was a reversion to the mean that these companies and these stocks in this sector got hit so hard over the last, I don't know, eight months, a year, that it's time to invest. Maybe it's uh, done for. Maybe there's a capitulation going on. That's utilities. Utilities being those very boring names that you hardly ever hear about. Next Era Energy is one that comes to mind. That's the FPNL down in Florida, plus other states around the country. Um, they have clean energy. They have you know regular utility, but they're getting paid month in and month out, regardless of what's going on, right? I mean, the fact is that they get paid um, because you have to pay them. <laughs> That's just the way it goes for your power. And uh, again, it could be a reversion to the mean where it's simply 
uh, it looked like it was so oversold that we're getting in there. Or maybe there's this idea that the reason that they got hit really was not about the economy, but more so about utilities being a proxy or an alternative to bonds. And as an alternative to bonds, they are not looking so good because their yield, which looked good at one time, is no longer so good. When interest rates were at zero, one percent, you know, a two, three, four, five percent yield on a utility was pretty good. But now that same yield doesn't look so good when you can go into a guaranteed instrument on the other side. So it's kind of interesting that you saw that uh, that's going on. The other thing that's interesting through the month of October that was, I think, unusual to a degree, not entirely. October is not known to be a good month, right? We've had crashes. We've had problems. But October was also the start of the seasonality into the end of the year. That Santa Claus rally, that that time of year when people are trying to pick up the pieces, get their portfolios right, do some tax loss harvesting, rotation back in and out of and around. And oftentimes it is usually into uh, the, uh, a presidential election year. It's, it's somewhat of a, a good time. When I say good time, it's usually a good year to, to consider. But it didn't really happen in October, and, and that's what makes me think that uh, there still is a chance, an opportunity. I'm not looking at this as uh, trying to be too hopeful. That's not it at all because we know hope is not a strategy. We know that, being disciplined investors, right? But the fear has been the Fed, which is, in my opinion, clearly a delayed reaction. I mean, if I ever saw a delayed reaction, that was it. I mean, why now? Think about it for a second. Why Why all of a sudden now is everybody so concerned that the Fed is going to stay higher for longer when, in fact, that's what they told you they were going to do for a very long period of time? It, it tells me something. And I think, and as I was going through this in preparation for this week's discussion, that the crowd has got it wrong. The Fed doesn't have it wrong necessarily. They may have it right. And the Fed has it right because they hold the purse strings. But it looks like a capitulation once again to the fact that nobody thought the Fed was serious about what they were doing. Now they think they're too serious. And I think they're going over to the wrong, to, to, to a degree of concern that may be highly uh, mis, misplaced, misguided. And there's this fear that's going on. And when you look at what's going on from an economic standpoint with a great GDP print this week for the employment numbers being what they are, Janet Yellen saying, hey, we're going to have a soft landing or no, we stuck it. I think something like we, we have the soft landing. You still have to consider where we are in terms of, of earnings because really earnings, as you would know, and you have to know, this is really the most important part of the overall calculus when it comes to valuing stocks. So earnings right now is very interesting because what we have in the earnings situation, and, and I went to FactSet to see where we are, one of the things that I've been very concerned about is margins. And I've talked about that a hundred times here, right? The idea that margins are something that we really need to, to, to consider in terms of um, the idea that if margins are going to compress because prices are higher and then we get into a slowing economic situation, it's like a stagnation of earnings because the margin pressure will be really problematic when it comes to that. So here's a couple of things when I found out uh, from, from some of the data that FactSet shared. Um, and they said that the blended net profit margin for the S&P 500 for the quarter, th uh, uh, quarter three of 2023, 11.6%, which is below the year ago net profit margin of 11.9. So we're dropping a little bit, but it's equal to the previous quarter's net profit margin, and more importantly, still above the five-year average. And I thought that was really interesting to note that where we are today, profit margins haven't fell below a five-year average, and that's inclusive of some pretty good and bad times. So if, in fact, we stay with 11.6% as the actual net profit margin for the quarter, it's going to mark the seventh straight quarter where net profit margin has declined year over year. So that's something we need to think about. And that's, that, that is the impact of inflation and slowing of, of an economy or slowing of buying, a, you know, that, 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 to that degree. So at a sector level, when we look at the six sectors that are reporting year over year increases, um, you know, we, we see that, um, or that there is six sectors, I should say, it, it's kind of, Interesting to notice that the communication services, 
12.2% versus 9.8. And that's, you know, your Facebooks and a few other of those names in there. Um, so that's pretty good. Now, five sectors are reporting year-over-year -year decreases. Uh, energy. Energy, which is interesting because we would expect energy to show this, probably then start picking up. And that's why energy may be picking up in the face of higher oil price and the opportunity to actually, actually have uh, higher uh, earnings, better earnings. But in um, energy went from 14.4% a year ago to 11%. Healthcare went from 105 to 8%. So eight of the sectors that we're looking at reported net profit margins uh, above their five-year averages. Energy is one of them. Of course, we know what happened with energy over that period of time. Uh, still, healthcare is still below. I, I still think there's a really good opportunity coming up in healthcare. So uh, th there's some sectors still having quarter of a quarter. Utilities, interestingly enough, just reported a 14.2% overall uh, quarter of a quarter increase versus 12.2. So that's pretty good. Profit margins decreasing in real estate, 35 versus 37, and materials, 9.7%. Versus 11. So it's kind of interesting that we're looking at net profit margins is still um, believed to be higher for the first quarter. We'll see what happens uh, when we get closer. But I just thought something interesting that I gleaned and uh, just wanted to get to that before we got to our, our guest discussion. But first, I want to talk about interactive brokers. Their simple IBKR global trader app makes investing in stocks and options easy. Easy. Invest in stocks and options worldwide and access cryptocurrencies all on a single unified platform. And, and you could use fractional shares to invest in the stocks you want, regardless of the price, and put even small cash amounts to work. Scan the globe for undervalued stocks, and then identify new investment opportunities by comparing global stocks in the same currency. Plus, make deposits in up to 27 different currencies and automatically convert into the currency you need. And the best part? Enjoy zero commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs with no inactivity fees or account minimums. Put the world in the palm of your hand. Start investing today at IBKR slash Global Trader. And with that, let's get to our guest this week. Let me do a quick intro. And as promised, our guest is Danielle DiMartino Booth. And uh, she is CEO and Chief Strategist for QI Research. She founded that. It's a research and analytics firm. And prior to that, she was uh, spending some time over at the Fed, the Fed Bank of Dallas, and she served as an advisor to President Richard Fisher throughout the financial crisis until his retirement in March of 2015 and uh, worked on all sorts of things within the Fed. Also, of course, wrote the terrific book, Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America. Hi, how are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I know you've been very busy. You are you are someone who is, you, you tell it as it is, and, and I think that's really appreciated by a lot of people, and, and, and you are just busy on the media, aren't you? Uh, some days are busier than others, but yes, yes, indeed. That's good. That's good for your- Gotta spread the word. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you gotta get, hallelujah, amen. Let's talk about uh, some of the things that you've been talking about uh, recently. You were on uh, our, our good friend Keith McCullough. He has uh, the Hedgeye um, educational, I guess, news media platform. And you were talking about something I thought was really interesting that that I had to ask you about. And, and about the consumer and and maybe not being as strong as we think. So so what what can you explain that? Well, I mean, the the strongest area of sales uh, year over year was in uh, lottery tickets in the GDP report that just came out. Uh, that smacks of a of desperation to me. Look, look, Americans are running out of money, and um, and cash flow is really important. So, the same way that we're seeing, uh, the same way that we're seeing companies go belly up and declare bankruptcy and file file for Chapter Eleven, we're seeing. Households uh, make those same dramatic moves. Uh, when you add up how expensive housing is, how much more expensive housing is than when they bought, if they bought in 2021 mm -hmm. right. or 2022, and sure. they've got 
property tax, property taxes going up and that feeds into their escrow. And all of a sudden, even though they've got a 3% mortgage, you know, their, their, their mortgage payment just took a great big giant leap. The, the homeowner's insurance, upkeep of the house, their first car payment, car insurance is some, sometimes higher than the car payment. So, and this is all before, all of this is before student loan payments uh, were resumed in the month of October. And we have to bear in mind, I think it's upwards of 300,000 Americans also uh, have not had to make a, a mortgage payment since March of 2020. They've taken many extensions that the government has offered quietly um, through, through FHA. So November's the first month a lot of Americans have to start making their mortgage payment for the first time since March of 2020. So if it's all about cash flow, uh, then you can understand why lottery ticket sales have gone through the roof because people are looking people are looking to hit the lottery because they cannot afford yeah it's it's the, it's, the, it's the hail mary it's the hail mary move, moment right completely yeah. and, and we we just had a blockbuster i mean blockbuster gdp report uh, I, I get it I, I get it i get it i get it but by the same token you know what we what we were seeing was just a trickle through effect of the employee retention credit which pumped up $85 billion worth of cash into the economy in the three months ended July. So that's why we saw spending as strong as it was, but what's coming behind it since they pulled that program? Not much. You know, that ERC is really pretty fascinating. The companies that went after that, even Kevin O'Leary and some of these other companies that went at, at this whole thing, like cramming it down your throat that you're eligible, even if you don't think you are, even if you don't need the money, let's get some for you. And then all the things they did to create this, this situation that where, you know, if you were eligible for it under three or four different possible scenarios, you can reclaim some of the taxes paid to your, that you paid for your employees for the last like two years. Unbelievable. Unbelievable is one way to put it. I mean, really, that was that was something. I mean, we, we had people coming after us. We're like, look, we didn't we didn't lose any. We're fine. Just let it leave us alone. And they're like, listen, whatever we collect, what what do you care? You get money from you, we'll take twenty five percent. I mean, it's it, and we knew it was all, all short lived too. It was going to end eventually. Mean, and look, you know, if something looks like an ambulance chaser, it, likely yeah. it is. I had a situation back in, back a number of years ago. There was a hurricane in Florida, and there were, you know, there was damage. There was no no question about that. There was damage, right? But my house was fine. It was fine. A couple of little things broke off the roof. There was nothing, nothing. When I say nothing, nothing that even had to be repaired. But other roofs around the area got some damage. Well, these roofers would come and knock on your door and say, hey, look, let me do an inspection on your roof. Won't cost you anything. And if, in fact, we need to repair your roof, we will put in the claim for you and do it all for you and uh, give you... And they said, we can give you $10,000 of the payment. I'm like, wait, isn't that insurance fraud that I'm getting back this on something that doesn't really have to be done, but you're claiming it does, and we're now in collusion? Well, not really. All my neighbors took the money. I did not. I just couldn't do it. And well, you, you never walk away. Look, I believe in karma, okay? You, you don't walk away from that kind of a decision, right. knowing full well that you're ripping somebody off. It's yeah. just, it, it doesn't, karma doesn't work that way. Yeah. So uh, talking about the consumer now for a second. Now, these are things that we knew about. This is something that we saw coming and we're seeing a lot of blame is being put on, like, you know, from Target, from Walmart. And, and you talk about the different companies, um, even um, Best Buy, talking about shrinkage, right? This whole issue with uh, their missing earnings due to the fact that, there is all this stealing going on, which is the the latest rendition of the weather excuse. You know, the weather isn't good. We aren't selling. And, you know, what? but but of course, when the weather's really good, they don't blame, they, they don't take the credit for the weather. They take the credit for their managerial abilities. Okay. <laughs> um, no. Which companies are getting rewarded right now by the stock market? They're the companies that have fired the most people. It, I'm, it's mm -hmm. just as much That's as correct. I can be. That's correct. And, and that 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 is but, but the way. But there's a reason for that, though. What, no, we what else did Walmart tell you? Walmart told you that they're going to be lowering starting salaries. There you go. But but you can't you can't blame the. I mean, we can't just always go up in 
in in salaries and have people on the books when you know things aren't as good. And and the fact of the matter is, should companies be rewarded for firing people? No, they should be rewarded for firing people. That's not a. There's no question there. It's a a morality issue, right? That's not the point. The fact is that they they're being rewarded to a degree, to a degree, because they are taking control. Maybe not right, the right way, but from an expense standpoint, and that's something that needs to be done. Now, should they be rewarded? Maybe not knocked down as much. But the reality is, is that, and this is the point that I think you need to explore. What does that mean that they're laying off people? That's the point, right? The longer term point. Of course. I mean, look, there, there's a there's a furniture retailer called Z Gallery. I, I guess it's got nine lives because it just it, it just we went bankrupt. One, we have one down here. Yeah, we went down here. Yeah, just filed Chapter 11. It's the third Chapter 11 filing that it's seen as a company. They're going to close 21 stores. Why are they doing that? Well, because they're not seeing demand. People do not appreciate the amount of demand that was pulled forward by the, 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 the pandemic stimulus spending. From the U.S. government, they just they don't they don't get it. You know, right now, yeah, poor Janet Yellen, bless her heart. You know she's she's out there saying the economy is doing great. You know maybe she and Kevin O'Leary should get in a room together and 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 he can explain to her why the economy was great and and why things are hitting a wall so fast. But 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 are we you know are we hitting a wall so fast? Because uh, while we are seeing problems in certain areas of the economy, um, what what's the, how is it that generally speaking with GDP that is decent, um, new housing starts this week, we're like, wow, that was pretty good. Um, we saw that, well, let's just get to the point of employment. Like nobody's firing anybody, or at least the numbers don't show that they're firing anybody. How does this all square? Because you've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this a long time. You really focus on this as the core of what you do. It, there's this very strange relationship of uh, cross economic indicators that that aren't confirming. No, they are not confirming at all. Uh, and one of the reasons actually is, you know, it, it's a dirty little secret inside the Beltway. Uh, one of the reasons is that that when when a company used to lay off 100 people in any given state. Uh, by law, they were required to file what was called a warn notice, and warn notices give you thirty to uh, excuse me sixty to ninety days of severance pay. You're being warned by the company and paid by the company so that you can look for another job. Okay. But, but warn notices were only required if the company fired more than hundred people in a given state. Well, wow. the current administration, big labor, uh, said, you know what? If you're a company and you lay off hundred people in four or five different states. But it sums to 100, you're going to have to file a warn notice in every single one of those states and pay severance for 60 to 90 days. Hmm. Now, I just learned this a few hmm. days ago. Hmm. I didn't know, but it, it it helps fill in so many of the blanks. Uh, you know, it, it because I, I, follow, I follow dailyjobcuts.com every day. Hmm. And you, you're seeing all these companies close. So you know, it's, it's not my imagination. They're actually, every single one of them is linked to a news story. And you're seeing layoffs, but that there's a pig in the python effect, and that that's one of the reasons that you know a, a lot of economists have been scratching their heads, saying, you know, why is the non-farm payroll survey so much stronger than the household survey? I just don't understand where the disconnect is. Well, think about it. If you're if if you've been told by the company that you've been laid off, you, you know, doesn't matter if you're getting severance or not. If some statistician from Washington, D.C. calls you and says, are you working or do you have a job? You're going to say, no, I don't have a job. I got fired. Mm -hmm. But if you call the company where you're you know, conducting the non-farm payroll survey and you ask them the number of employees on the payroll, as long as they're still paying somebody, they count as an employee. So it's like fill in the blank. So once again, this is the, the same old story that figures never lie, but liars always try to figure. Right, that we have statistical models and information that, whether it was done purposefully or not, there is some uh, inability for us to really glean information out of that. In a time, by the way, we're talking about AI. In a time, we're talking about computer models and ability to crunch numbers like never before. We're talking about cloud um, 
systems with extraordinarily uh, powerful technology behind it, we still can't get this information. And by the way, if we can't get the information here, can we at all believe some of the other places around the world like China? I've been there. It is, it is a, as we know, a vast country of, 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 of places that I can't imagine they're actually, the, the actual numbers that they are presenting are accurate. Look, I completely agree with you, but at this point, because of the endless stream of revisions to the data, you know, I don't, I don't think we're doing a better job than the Chinese. <clears throat> well, maybe not, but to, to, and, and the other point is, I guess, you know, the question. And shame on us. Well, it's definitely shame on us. There's no question about that. But you have to also say to yourself, this is the data we have. So that is what we have to follow. Trying to fight it is a fool's errand, right? I mean, no, not. I mean, that, that's why that's why at QI Research we create our own data sets. We we we've created a full archive of dailyjobcuts.com that goes back to 2009, so that we can follow the actual trends in real time. Because that's that's what computers were made. That, that's what they were made for. As you point out, there are plenty of ways to follow the real data. So what is it Just, telling you? What is it? What is what is your data telling you about the jobs and the employment situation? Oh gosh, it's telling me that 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 layoffs and, and announcements and closure announcements are running at the fastest pace since 2009. That's what the data is telling me. Yet we don't see that at all with the official data. We don't see it yet, but there at some point, look, you're going to see yellow trucking corporation. Um, it's not like they were 30,000 people were hired right after yellow declared mm -hmm. bankruptcy mm -hmm. who were fired, but they did start to collect severance. But at some point, the, the data is not going to be able to gloss over what's happening because the 60 to 90 day period of severance is coming to an end. So what and about, what, what about, coming the, to an end, you know, e even as, and, and that's why you're seeing continuing job, jobless claims stay as elevated as they are. And that, that tells you one thing, people are not finding work once they lose it. Yeah. It just seems that, you know, I, maybe I'm in a bubble here in South Florida. Maybe there's some interesting things I want to tell you about South Florida too, but uh, it seems like everybody's spending money, more money. I go out and, and yes, some of this can be vacationers and season's about to hit so it can get even worse. But I go to some of the restaurants and I mean, there they are not cheap bottles of wine on the tables. And, uh, you know, people are drinking and doing and going and there's plenty out there. Mortgage rates aren't really driving home prices lower by any extent, at least what we see is that. As a matter of fact, some houses selling for record prices. Boats, the boat show is this weekend in South Florida. Boats, we're going to probably do eight to $900 million worth of revenue in sales and in, in weekend uh, overall revenue again this year, which is probably going to be a record year in 2023. Car sales are, are, are still selling at above MSRP. And one of the things that's really oh, fascinating. Actually, that that ended in February. But sorry, sorry. Down here in Florida, though, down here in Florida, you can still get it. They're still above. Well, but okay. To your point, yes, you might be living in a bubble. And don't get me wrong, all states that I'm, I'm in Texas, all states that don't have a state income tax have been major beneficiaries mm -hmm. uh, of, of, of the post-pandemic era. People were like, if I'm gonna move. If I'm going to have to leave New York City, then I'm going to leave all the way. I'm not going to move to a, a suburb of, of New York just to get away from a, a pandemic. I'm just mm -hmm. going to go to Florida. Right. I'm, going to, I'm going to take home 10% more of my pay. Goodbye. That's the so, point. Uh, yeah. and, and we have to bear in mind, you know, the stock market is still way up there. So people of means, people who have been beneficiaries of the employee retention credit, you know, people who whose home values have appreciated incredibly, you know, they're feeling very wealthy and and they're going to spend like they feel wealthy. So that that's just something we should bear in mind. And we know that 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 credit card lending has continued to grow. So it's it's easy to buy things when you don't have to pay for it today. Yeah. And it's so, easy to buy things when you feel wealthy because your stock market portfolio is nice and fat and because your home price on Zillow is mm. multiple millions of dollars. Yeah. 
Right. But try, you know, try dealing with what's to come in the next 12 months when, you know, when maybe 10 blocks away, people are getting thrown out of their homes because they can't pay their home, homeowner's insurance. Well, that's an interesting point. This is what I want to bring up right now. I don't want to let you in on a little secret that's going on. Uh, in South Florida, there is a substantial amount of increase in, in homeowner's insurance. And one of the things that we have is um, underfunded or neutrally funded or non-funded. I guess not non-funded is about the best word to describe it. Condos and homeowners associations, because every year they come out like, hey, do you want to put some extra money in towards the funding? Everybody votes no, of course. So they don't fund their homeowners association or condo association, and they live on year to year what the appropriate amount is going to be. They divvy it up, and that's what your HOA fees are going to be, uh, you know, appropriately. And um, what what happened is I saw a few different circumstances, but I'll give you this one that's not as much of an outlier, but it's a reality check. There's a homeowners association where they look, you see the, the entirety of the cost factors for the year, and then you divide it, and it's what you pay. Well, this particular homeowners association, pretty much everything stayed about the same. One of the items on the line was uh, uh, insurance, you know, for the for the for the common areas, for the liability, and all that for the community. Four hundred thousand dollars last year for the entirety of the community. This year is one point four million. Now, you divide that by each house, and it comes out to approximately, give or take a couple of bucks, uh, about $500 per month per house, per condo, per home, per townhouse. Now, if you think about that, this is townhomes that were in the range of about $100,000 over a you know, number of years ago. Now, they're about $200,000. And $200,000 townhomes uh, then and now, it's still owned by people who could afford a $100,000 townhome. You follow me? And now all of a sudden you're taking a situation where they're probably paying $500 for their mortgage. And not only are they paying um, their homeowners, which is $750 a month, they just got a bump of $500. That's a lot of money. Uh, yeah. I mean, there was a there was a YouTube spot of older retirees in a Florida, you know, retirement retirement community that were you know, just about borderline rioting when they found out that their homeowners fees were going up so much. A lot of homeowners are also like, wait a minute, my property tax is what? Right. Right. And my mortgage payment just went up by how much? Mm -hmm. I thought I had this 3% mortgage rate and that my mortgage payment was nice and low and the bank just raise my mortgage payment by 20%. What just happened to me? Mm -hmm. And yep. then they get the bill for their homeowner's insurance. Right, right. <laughs> and then their air conditioning goes out. Bad, 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 bad. So all, all I'm saying is we're, it's, it, it's, we're, we're on, we're on a little bit of borrowed time here. That's all I'm saying. And if, you know, it, it, Hey, if the stock market hangs in there, then the wealthy will remain wealthy. They can continue driving their McLarens. Well, the stock market doesn't have to be rational at all, at all. Zero ever, by the way. It doesn't have to, you know, some people think, well, eventually they'll get the, the point. Yes and no. It, does, it doesn't necessarily have to be. In fact, well, if, if the Fed keeps interest rates as high as Jay Powell wants to keep them, then, then, then you know, the stock market will not hang in there because it's right. the credit markets that feed the stock market. Yeah, no, I agree with that entirely. And obviously what we saw the last number of weeks with an ever-increasing, almost a, uh, you know, a hockey stick-like move in rates was pretty substantial. And in, in a way, though, you could say the markets have done a lot of the work for the Fed in this last go-round, the last, you know, 50 basis points. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if and Jay Powell will tell you that, you know, one of his goals was tightening financial conditions, well, that's worked. Yep, that's worked. But it only was finally where there was like a bunk on the head of the of the markets in in, in total saying, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe he is serious. <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, for this first time, the Fed that says what they're gonna do, they're not gonna back off here. What what, what do you think is going in, going on inside the Fed in terms of um, you know, markets are are had had been. Markets had been for a while pricing in a a drop of Fed funds rates. Some thought the end of this year and possibly even to the first quarter, but most people were thinking about the second quarter or so of 2024. This, this, the pricing model and the Fed fund futures were looking at, you know, 25 to 50 basis point cut. And the Fed is trying their best to say, hey, 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 wake up, right? We're not doing this right now. You know, the old, we're not thinking about thinking about thinking about reducing rates. I mean, that's where they are right now, right? 
it, it is where they are. And what we have to monitor really closely um, are the funding markets. So as long as we don't have, you know, a heart attack in the funding markets, then, you know, Jay Powell can maintain his higher for longer stance, you know, and at last check, this has been going on. I mean, he, he, he basically gave us the news um, in late 2021. So that the the transitory was going away. He gave us the fair warning. Nobody believed him then. But all I'm trying to say is it's been two years and people are still like, ah, he's he's just bluffing. And I'm like, two years is a long time to bluff. At some Mm -hmm. point, you actually start to think that he's serious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. So what happens, though, with the the high cost now that the government has to pay for their debt financing servicing and renewal you know if if, if we're going to go through this uh reversal of quantitative easing or what we call quantitative tightening because we have to have a name for everything of course you know and an acronym is even better if we could um the the the, the and a catchy one at that uh, one that rhymes somehow but what about the tr- trillions of dollars of debt that's on the the fed balance sheet i mean that they tried to pare that back a bit in March. It blew up a number of banks. They ramped it back up again by going out and saying that we will buy all your bonds that don't look good on your balance sheet. We'll take them. We'll we'll take them, and got that off the balance sheet and flooded the markets once again with money. Right, that was that big initial move. Then we had the discussion about AI. Everybody got you know all excited and and and, and moved by the opportunity. Reality setting in. And now quantitative tightening, or at least non-renewal of buying, we'll call it that. I don't know what do you want to call it. Is 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 once again starting. Where do we go from here? Well, the Fed has um, the Fed's balance sheet is a trillion dollars smaller than it was when this whole process started, and um, it looks like. If they're going to lower interest rates in 2024, uh, they might see mortgage prepayment speeds increase. So people might be paying off their mortgages uh, or refinancing um, if mortgage rates actually start to come down. So maybe what we'll see is the continued shrinkage of the balance sheet and an acceleration in the pace of the Fed rolling the mortgage-backed securities off its balance sheet, which it has not been able to do, uh, has not been able to hit those targets because people have the golden handcuffs of really low mortgage rates, so they're not, you know, they're not refinancing or selling their homes. But is this going to be further pressure on yields for a much longer period of time? If if they're not if they're not if they're oh, yeah if, yeah yeah it, this, look it, what it what quantitative tightening does is it depletes the the market's lifeblood it de- it depletes liquidity just like the human body absolutely needs water mm-hmm. uh, the U.S. financial system the global financial system needs liquidity and without it things start to go wrong and that's you know that's why you're seeing some big names go belly up and not even go to chapter 11. They're like, oh, we're going straight to chapter seven liquidation. Bye-bye. That's why you're seeing this because things do go wrong in these types of environments. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Have we seen that many chapter sevens? I mean, of big names that are, I don't remember seeing a lot of those. I mean, a couple, yes, here or there, but Seems like this. It, it, it's it's not any that much greater than I remember a few years ago. Maybe well, I'm wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah, we've definitely seen a pickup in liquidations. Um, and, and what you're seeing, even with Chapter 11 filings, like Rite Aid, for example, their Chapter 11 filing came along with somebody who, uh, with, with a ton, hundreds of stores closing. Right, but so, I mean, Rite Aid. Rite Aid was was a company that was dead. For years and it didn't know it. So that was the final kibosh. And so was yellow trucking, but yellow trucking employed 30,000 people. Right. Well, that was and all it, yeah, the unions with them too. That was a problem, right? Yes, yes, it was. But there are plenty of other, I mean, look, there are 65 hospitals in America in the past few months have closed down entire departments. 
Hmm. That's not good. We need hospitals. <laughs> well, yeah. Hmm. One of them was like, we're, we're closing our maternity ward. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> right. how's that work? How's What's that a lady work? to do? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, I, I guess I want to finish on this question. Um, and explore this a little bit because all the things we're talking about with regard to higher rates, with regard to the Fed taking a much harder line on where things are going and they're taking liquidity out of the system, which is what you said, right? Um, and the yield curve being inverted and screwy. And it, it, I, one of the things, I don't, know if I, ever, I don't know if I ever talked to you about this. I'm sure I did though, but. You know, you remember the, the the two tens, the two tens, the two tens. Everybody, two tens, two tens. They're inverted, and 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 Powell says we don't we don't really look at the two tens. That's not the, that's not very predictive. And then he said, what we look at is a three month and three month to ten year. Do you remember he said that? Oh yeah, that's that's the one they follow on the inside. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, oh wait a minute, that's that's pretty ugly if that happens, right? You know, if the three month goes above the ten year, that's that's a significant inversion. It has to be. Right when he said it, and I'm thinking, ah, uh, he probably says it to pad it so that it doesn't happen very often at all. And here we are with the inversion, not only of the you know the three tens, but the two tens, the one tens, all those. The 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 the, the scary thing is that it's it's going on a long time, and so here's the follow up to that point, which is everything we know. There's no questions about that. That's what's going on. Commercial real estate. It seems to be uh, all of the news as the ticking time bomb, you know, the underlying the surface, uh, seeing, you know, occupancy rates in New York City are, you know, at historic highs, yet rents are ridiculous also. What's your take on this? And and is this going to be a nationwide situation? Is this going to be big? Is it going to be just something that is a little bit of a headache? How is this going to play out? Well, um, I think it's unlike prior unwinds, um, unlike prior unwinds of other commercial real estate cycles, there's nothing to do with many of the buildings when recovery comes. And that's a sea change. In other words, companies have adapted. Yep. And even companies that have called people, you know, back to work. Nonetheless, we still have occupant, office occupancy at about half of what it was prior to the pandemic. That's not a problem that gets fixed with any level of interest rates. Because some of these buildings are just going to come down. And so this is going to be something that plays out over a number of years, but in a way that we're not familiar with because there's been structural impairment. And that's why you saw a mall trade for 10 cents on the dollar a few days ago. That's why you're seeing recoveries lower than they've ever been. And, and, and companies walking away from buildings because the difference between where they first financed the structure and where they could refinance the structure and the amount of equity that they would have to, to put into it to get the deal closed are like, no way, no how, not worth it. Bye-bye. Here's the keys. See, I see, this, I see this. I see All I see is this. Every time you say it is an indoor pickleball court. <laughs> <laughs> but how many of those can you have? Yeah, right? Yeah. Pickle malls. You know, the, 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 every time uh, these JC Penney's closes, they just gut it and put an indoor pickleball court there. I love that. Huh. <laughs> I mean, you can only do that, um, you know, so many times. Right. Look, I stayed in a hotel a few years ago. I did a staycation, so to speak, in an office building that had been converted into a hoity-toity hotel in downtown Dallas. Uh, I huh. kept on running the columns. It was just awkward. That is weird. So, that is weird. Well, but office buildings are not designed to be homes or or apartments or, or hotels. That's why there's, you know, one men's room and one lady's room, or maybe two on each floor of an office building. And they're in the center of the building. So you only have, you can save money building the building by only running plumbing up the center. But I think there's going to be an equilibrium coming. I do think there is a force that is happening. I see it. 
uh, anecdotally with people I know, companies that I know. Then I also see it in, in things I read and the research. There's a there's a get back get your ass back in the freaking office movement going on that you work and I don't want to hear out of your mouth that oh I don't want to work uh, unless it's from my house because and we had some people on on the show a few months ago that looked into this and they look at the uh, productivity and it, it, very clear that productivity now there's not for every situation but generally speaking is much lower when you have the the, the very basic distraction of the dog, the kids, and of course that dreaded refrigerator in your house. Look, I, I am who I am. And my <clears throat> QI research has been a work from home, if you will, company from day one. And all of the people who work for me made their bones in an office setting, including me. So you know, had I not had two Navy SEAL Navy SEALs in my MBA training class when I was in New York, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I wouldn't have, have toughened up. And just getting a whole bunch of people on a Zoom call, it's like herding cats. Oh. How much time do you need to waste in any given day? I wasted today, by the way, 20 minutes because one of the people on, on, a, on, a, on a client call, one of the, the professionals had to had reset the links, had to then download and upgrade the software. And then finally got on 20 minutes into the meeting. Yeah, look, there are some, there are some podcasts that require, they, they run across the Google Chrome platform, which I'm not on because I don't like the spying aspect. And it's just a pain. Are you a duck, duck, dough girl? Uh, I, no, I use fire or whatever it's called. Firefox. I love Firefox. That's what I use. Everybody's like, what do you use Firefox? I love Firefox. Yeah. Uh, it's just my core. I use both, but I uh, I prefer Firefox. Anyway, um, listen, we're going to wrap it up uh, because th there's a lot more data coming out of the next few months. I agree with you, by the way, for, for the most part, that, you know, a slowdown is happening. And, and if not for anything else, other than the fact that that is what the Fed wants and what the Fed wants, the Fed gets. You know, what baby wants, baby gets. And, and the truth is that why is that? Because they hold the, hold the purse strings. For all those people out there that want to fight the Fed, and I'm not saying go along with every single thing they do, because you know that I think that most of the, their, their economic, the, the economic outlook and, and projections are bogus, just like Jamie Dimon said. And by the way, just like my good friend, Danielle DiMartino Booth will say that it's, they're terrible at it, right? <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it, you know what? It's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment that they think they could do it and they and they, they can't and they keep on trying to do it. But you know what? Why do they do it? Listen, in the background, I think we'd both agree the entirety of our financial system is a confidence game. And when I say confidence game, I'm not saying a con job per se, but it's all about confidence in the game. Otherwise, the thing falls upon itself. That's all very true. I mean, a buddy of mine said it best, Peter Bukvar, years ago, he said, this is all about, this This is the, the only bubble that we, that, that defines all bubbles is the bubble in, 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 con, in, in the confidence we keep in central bankers. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. I mean, I was, I was shocked that Jamie, Jamie Dimon came out, I think it was last, last week, this week, he came out and he said, um, you know, how, how, how terribly wrong they are and, and how they really should do something about how their, you know, their projections and all, because they're, they're terrible. They're just awful. They're awful at it. It's just, they're all, and, and that funny thing is we continue to believe, right? So we believed in transitional inflation back in the day. And now we believe in that they have to be, you know, as, as now all of a sudden we believe, you know, those, uh, you know, all of a sudden a light went on that the markets believe that he's going to be keeping interest rates high because he needs to when, Next month, we could see a deflationary spiral start. It's from all the things you talked about. The fact that we have to repay student loans, the fact that we have to, um, you know, we're looking at re, uh, starting to re, uh, not repay, but uh, pay, starting to uh, uh, pay the mortgages back and the layoffs and all that. All of a sudden, you could have this major deflationary spiral out of nowhere. Look, in the, in the, in the GDP data that's, that's fresh off the wires, the core PCE, which excludes energy and food, which I understand we all pay for it, but still, the Fed watches it pretty closely. That was two point four percent. Right, right, getting close yeah. to right in line. I, I I watch this gauge called Truflation TRU every day. 
it's about 2.3%. So, you know, that's what happens when people aren't getting, you know, that, that's what happens when Walmart starts, starts to lower starting salaries and when the wage price spiral ends up being a, a myth. That's what happens. Yeah, crazy stuff. Danielle DiMartino Booth, tell everybody where they can get all the information uh, that they need and how to get in touch with you. Uh, please come on over to demartinobooth.substack.com. If you're an institutional investor, come to QI Research. And if you don't follow me on Twitter, please do, at Demartino Booth. Demartino Booth. Thank you so much for, for joining us. I appreciate that. Thank you for your time. Right. Thank you. Bye. Always a great show with Danielle. I mean, a wealth of knowledge. And I think um, a real nice breath of reality, a, a, maybe a smash in the head or a bonk on the head, of reality, sometimes things that we don't want to really talk about. But the fact of the matter is that she did provide us with, I think, some really good insights and insider take on what's going on and what the Fed is thinking. And the reality is, once again, that we are going to have to play along with the idea that it is, you know, a, a higher for longer, or more appropriately, that they are trying to slow the economy. And let's figure out what they're going to do about that. Uh, I'll mention again, if uh, you're still interested, there is a link on the disciplinedinvestor.com for the webinar that we're doing on November 15th. What's in store for 2024? And take a look at that and and uh, make sure to register because you're not going to get in if you don't register. So we'll be at five o'clock on Wednesday, uh, the 15th of November for you to check out uh, our thoughts and, 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 and direction and portfolio and all the things we're doing. So make sure to go over there. Thanks for joining me this week and every week. I'll see you again next week with another great guest. We have so many lined up for uh, the, the final months of this year. Uh, thanks again for joining me. I'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice, or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training. Advertisements are not related to the host or affiliates and are not considered recommendations by the host of the show or any affiliates of Horowitz & Company.